guys, and welcome to the very first episode of Stalking Carpenter. That's right, that's right, that's right. And it is I, uh, Mike Burge, I'm your host. I'm going to be going by the name um, Michael Myers, but it's like Meyer Lemon. It's spelt like Meyer Lemon, that's off to a good start. He loved that joke. Just it seconds, did, yeah. second early, seconds earlier when we decided it, he was. It was. It, it really got me a moment ago, and now that I said it out loud, I'm kind of stuck with it. But I'm going to deal with it. And I am joined today by uh, Robbie the Anderson Alamo Anderson. Bobby very Bobby. good. These are very good nicknames. They're very good names. And yeah. maybe we'll be changing them up every episode. <laughs> Who knows? As is tradition with uh, Story Screen podcasts, nicknames Ex- garbage truck on fire. Extremely professional. Super. Um, So this is uh, the very first uh, episode in a new journey that we are going down. Um, uh, The idea was floated uh, by of uh, watching some John Carpenter movies. Uh, Robbie has not seen uh, many of them, if not all. Uh, I don't know if you've looked over the filmography and you've been able to track if there are any that you actually have seen. Well, I've seen Halloween. You, oh, that's right. So you've I've seen, seen Halloween, Halloween yeah. which is uh, one of the I ones think, that we're starting out with. Which is one of the ones we're starting out uh, starting out with. Uh, I really do think that's that's it, though. I, I think I've only seen Halloween. It's wild. Yeah. That's wild. I, I and mean, it's crazy, because I do think a lot of the movies I very much enjoy are uh, inspired by, by good old JC. Mm, and I think that's one of the reasons we were kind of interested in doing this, is we're passing the time. We wanted to come up with some cool new stuff for the exclusive content. Mm-hmm. Um I'm re- I'm currently going through um, a crisis where I am trying to pick my 25 favorite movies of all time, and I know that there's going to be a lot of Carpenter on there because I think that Carpenter might be my favorite director. Now, I know that I throw that term around a lot. I've said that Spielberg is one of my favorite directors. I think Spielberg is probably one of the most talented and versatile. Like, he's just an amazing variety show. Of directing and John Carpenter has his style that he sticks to, but he can move in and out of genres. We've got a comedy in here. We've got action movies. We've got a couple comedies, a biopic, uh, biopics. We've got some real cool stuff uh, that we're going to go through. So the structure of this show, let's get it out of the way real quick. Uh, what we're going to be doing is, is we are going to be tackling two movies out of John Carpenter's filmography at a time and we're going to be going pretty chronologically so we're we're starting with his first two movies assault on precinct 13 and halloween now dark star his college effort which was kind of co-directed is an outlier and it is there but we are going to be doing that next week in tandem with the fog we'll drop that right there just so that you true believers out there know that we're going to be hitting dark star but we figured that Putting these two movies together was kind of a better conversation, and then kind of putting Dark Star in the fog is good because after the fog, he kind of lifts off into like every movie for like a decade is is a movie that you have heard of and is a big deal. Um, not that the fog and Halloween and Assault and Precinct Thirteen aren't those things, but there's definitely like a a switch in gears and things start going fast. Um, we, could, we could call the show Carpenter Crazies, also. Carpenter Crazy. Yeah, another, we're gonna be we're, we're gonna, gonna be name re- it. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be renaming the show. We're going to be renaming our nicknames. We're gonna just be having a fun time. 
Uh, and th- so we're going to be doing each episode, nice little talks, uh, someone who has seen the movies many times before, or just a couple. There are a couple that I haven't seen. For instance, I haven't seen um, Dark Star in its entirety. Um, Christine is a big one that I haven't seen on his. Uh, and I don't believe I have any recollection of Ghosts of Mars. I have seen it, but I don't recall it. Um, I think that's about it. Everything else I've pretty much seen probably ad nauseum, but Robbie has not. I have not, yeah, and I'm, I'm very excited to jump in. I do think, um, you know, there's a lot of times I watch something and someone says it's Carpenter-esque or, you know, I'm a big fan of, like, electronic music, which I think he w- had his fingers on for quite some time, and, uh, you know, the kind, I'm not super into horror myself, but the kind of horror I am into is kind of, like, the vibes that I think that John Carpenter evokes from his films. You know, I really like Halloween. I think Halloween's great. I also really like the the newer Halloween. Um, yeah, which I thought of was which also John Carpenter had his hands all over as well. Exactly. Which so you know, I think uh, I'm excited to go down this road. I do think I'm going to find a new uh, director and artist that I'm going to fall in love with, and that's always a really exciting time for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it uh, should be clear we are doing specifically directorial efforts of mm-hmm. of of JC. Uh it is going to be just the movies that he's directed cuz he's also written a lot of stuff like, you know, he he co-wrote Halloween 2. So we're not doing that one. It's just going to be his directing one so that we can kind of breeze through this stuff and kind of hit all the really big ones and but also talk about some other stuff. It's going to be loosey-goosey like it always is. Yeah. Chill. Uh so uh yeah, so for this first episode, we we watched uh Assault on Precinct 13 and uh Halloween um, I don't know if you wanted to kind of talk about both simultaneously, kind of hit one or the other. Assault on Precinct 13 came out in 1976. It is definitely a low-budget movie. Sure. Uh, it's a, it's pretty much a single set where they are cutting away to like a different place uh, than is what is actually in front of that building, and they're doing all of this fun stuff. It's, seems, it's yeah. It seems like it could be higher budget than Halloween, though. Uh, I feel like there's more so. there's more going on in. Uh, Assault on Precinct 13 and Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm also... I'm jazzed on uh, Assault on Precinct 13, or P13, as maybe we should call it to save time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I actually... I really like that movie, and it's funny because I just watched and did a hot take. Um, our our storage from podcast where we see newer movies. Uh, I just did a hot take uh, on VFW, which is just what Precinct 13 is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just like a little, a little different. Uh, and I really, I really like both those movies. But yeah, I saw Precinct, Precinct Thirteen was was fucking cool. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, Precinct Thirteen is just like it's one of those. He's got he's such a great director because you can kind of see the seams. You can kind of if you're paying attention, you can go like, oh, that's how they did that, and that's how he did this. And there's not a whole lot happening as far as like sets and stuff like that with what's going on. And if you start to kind of think about it, if you've ever been on a set before of like an indie like trying to make like a movie or a music video which is some friends and stuff you realize that you have to kind of use what you have available to you and especially in these early movies and especially in halloween carpenter is very good at being able to kind of just figure out ways to make things uh effective whether they're supposed to be scary or intense or exciting just by using like very regular common objects that they would be able to gain access to 
Yeah, I, I think he does that very well. He also uh, is very good at utilizing, like, space. I feel like every one of his locations I, like, know pretty intimately from, like, whether it be the houses that Michael Myers is, like, navigating through or the neighborhood or, you know, the precinct itself. Like, I feel like he really uses, like, that real estate uh, very well to where you, like, really understand where all the action can happen and is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, no, totally. He's mm-hmm. it, it's uh his lighting, where he puts the camera, how he sets things up and stages certain things. He's all over it, and he just gets better and better and better at it as he gets access to more and more money, and then starts like kind of messing around with what he kind of wants to do. Like we've even got like a full on romance movie in this. Yeah, there's a lot going on in uh, Assault in Precinct Thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, even from like the you know, I always forget about the kind of beginning story thread when I think about the flick and uh, or one of the earlier story threads about the guy with his uh, daughter and he's trying to get um his it, what can you remind me what it is again? He's trying to get his like mom to move in with them, right? Or yeah, I think it's something like uh, he's trying to get his mom. Yeah, because his mom is at like a nursing home, and right. she's like, "You want to make grandma move in now that grandpa has like passed away or something mm-hmm. like that." It's something very arbitrary because it's so, it's so human. It just though, goes, too. It, it's, yeah. exactly. It's something that's just very trivial, and if you're paying attention to it, you're like, "What was that?" And I love that that character is in constant shock the whole movie. They, he doesn't wake up. He doesn't. Nothing happens. Like, it's just he is the inciting incident and they're yeah. protecting him even though he has no character. Yeah, I like that too. I feel like John Carpenter, like, has a very, at least by looking at these two movies, like, he has kind of a very, like, positive outlook on people. Mm-hmm. Like, he has a lot of, like, stock and faith in people. You know, in Pre-Seek 13, he has, you know, a cop, uh, a group of convicts, and, you know, a group of, like, uh, you know, police workers you know administrative people working in this precinct and they have to work together kind of to defeat this like greater evil and then you know in something like halloween we have the the epitome of evil michael myers but we also have like you know jamie lee's curti jamie lee curtis's character who's just trying to escape and and does you know i feel like he i feel like there might be something to be said about like the human condition probably in all movies but it's, there's something specific in, in these movies that I'm trying to kind of hammer out mm-hmm. myself. Yeah, he's definitely uh, not light on the metaphor. He he sure. does <laughs> he, he put he puts things in there that if you pay attention to it, uh, it's very interesting to dissect, and I don't think takes away from the movie. But also, you could just be there for the spectacle of everything, and not you know like Escape from New York has very clear metaphors that he's like dealing with, and Halloween is very much just kind of like this this. John Carpenter just being like the scariest things could happen anywhere. Like I think, I think one of the funnest things about Halloween is the idea that the boogeyman only comes out on Halloween is like this thing that everybody has said to like, you know, scare the kids, but not scare them always. And I think his whole thing of putting it on Halloween on the scariest uh, night of the year is to be like, it can happen at any time, anywhere for no reason at all. Mm -hmm. And I, that's what I really love about, the new Halloween from David Gordon Green because they kind of push that. That it's just, he's just this, he's this killing machine, uh, a phrase that is kind of worn out at this time, but he literally is just like, he see the only reason he goes after Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie is because he just sees her uh, from his house. She's the first person that he sees when he's back in his house and he goes, I'm going to follow her and now I'm tracking all of her friends 
and now I'm going to try and kill her friends and her, and that's all he's doing in that movie. And it's a very realistic thing that takes place in living rooms, a small, quiet street, bedrooms, inside a car, little sheds. And the same with Assault on Precinct 13 is it's just this kind of derelict, uh, this broken down uh, police station, which is symbolic of like police stations and police efforts and police officers in inner cities, in urban inner cities facing gang violence that they're all just tattered. They're falling apart. They're not working. And then all of a sudden you have this big group of gangs are just going to try and kill them for some reason. And that the police officers have to partner up with the, the worst of the worst. People who aren't even committing crimes are people who have already been convicted of crimes. And it's like now the criminals and the cops have to band together to fight against something that's even worse, which is like this kind of this tyranny, you know, yeah. this idea, this idealism that the gang warfare has. I think something the antagonists in both movies have in common is uh, silence. Um, the group of the, the gangs in uh, Assault on Precinct 13, like they use silencers. They don't speak. Yes. They're completely silent. And then Michael Myers, you know, he has kind of one signature sound, which is breathing heavily through his mask. Um, and they're, and he kind of moves silently. Like, you never really hear him coming. Like he, they both like are silent killers. Um, it made me think a lot about like our current uh, pandemic situation and thinking about kind of like the silent enemy or things like that. And especially thinking about uh, Assault in Pre- Precinct 13 about like, silent enemies entering like a body and like you know you have like your white blood cells kind of fighting it off and something like that and like i don't think that's necessarily the allegory that's happening there but that was kind of something that like that's like a modern that's a very contemporary modern take right now that i'm like applying to that movie which i think is like kind of interesting totally everything that i'm watching i'm playing red dead redemption 2 right now that you gave me last year and it's getting me (laughs) through the quarantine and uh trying to keep spoilers as light as possible red dead redemption 2 um uh, realistically, narratively uh, connected to what's going on right now. Feels current. It yes. feels current. And it's very sure. weird. <laughs> and it's like I started playing it right after, and there's something that happens at the beginning where I probably wouldn't have noticed it uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I was really paying attention to how close people were getting to one another. Yes. And I was just like, ah. <laughs> and you start seeing that, like, I'm watching Everwood with Diana forever. I'm always watching Everwood with Diana. Yes. And we're. We're, uh, it's just, it, this movie takes place, you know, in Colorado in 2004 and people are like shaking hands and getting really close to talking like, to each stop other. Stop like, doing stop, that. Stop, stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's watching anything and I guarantee everybody's feeling the exact same way. You watch something that For has sure. nothing connectively to do with our current real situation. Obviously, because this movie was made, you know, f- 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 40 years ago, it's true. 50 years ago. Yeah, it's like this was made a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And you can't help it, though, because it's kind of something that's always on the peripheral of your mind while you're watching it, you know? Yeah, no, and I think it's cool. I think that speaks to, like, the craft of the flicks themselves is that they're so timeless. I mean, there's a reason that they made, like, they before they rebooted Halloween, they made 700 sequels. It was like yes. it was five a year for the next mm-hmm. uh, forty years or so. So right? it's interesting with Carpenter because he, there, we're definitely going to get to this cool area there, and we might even do like a maybe we could do like a fun like special episode where we go over the remakes that Hollywood tried to make. Sure. Because in the aughts, John Carpenter, as the story goes, classic as the story goes, Burge story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Carpenter kind of like, you're, you're going to find that we're going to get to Ghost of Mars and um, something's going on. And he stops making movies for a very long time, like a decade. Um, and then he only comes back with one more movie. He kind of focuses on, on his music. And he comes back with The Ward, which is his last like directing movie, which only came out maybe about five years ago. Is it good? Or we'll find out. We'll find out. I've seen it. We'll find out. Okay. Um, it, and he, so in the aughts, he was kind of just like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and sell all the rights to these movies because he owns all of them because he's like the writer, director, producer. He's like the main dude. He owns them. So he's like, yeah, here's Assault and Precinct 13. Um, <clears throat> here's The Fog. Uh, yeah, here's The Thing. You know, and so they remake all of these movies over the course of like 10, 15 years. And it's just, uh, they're, they're insanely bad. It's yeah. just like the Assault on Precinct 13 one completely changes everything that makes the first one great. I saw the thumbnail of it like when I was searching for this one like on Amazon. And I was what? like, holy shit, what you is need to, this? You need to watch the trailer for that and see how they change everything. <sighs> it's like it's really wild that they make all these decisions. Yeah. And they seem like smart decisions, but they not. But they not. Um, and then The Fog has uh, Clark Kent from Smallville in it. I Never a good idea. Yeah. Oh, and the Fog remake. The Fog remake, yes. Yeah. No, the the original thought Fog. I think I has, get the uh, I get the Fog and the Mist confused in my mind. Yes, you do. Okay. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, the Mist is Frank Darabont, Thomas Jane, based on Stephen King. The Fog, original recipe, nineteen eighty Spookfest. Spooky. Yeah, and there's gonna. I I can't. You do you know the twist ending to the Fog? Is, is it's not some like M Night Shyamalan shit where it's just like it was just a weird day. No, not really, but it's kind of like it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like do you do you know what the fog is? I don't think I know what the fog is. Well, then this is gonna be fun. But that's yeah. next. That's next time. Okay, we'll find out soon. <laughs> um, yeah, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Absolutely fucking love that movie. I think all the performances are awesome. I, I think the chemistry between everybody is insane. Everyone's trying to bang. Uh, and I, and that's a that's a vibe that I like in yeah. my in my yeah. movies. It's mm-hmm. uh it's good. Um, another thing that kind of came to mind, and just kind of like you know rapping about movies I've recently been watching quarantine or, or stuff. Uh, Kirsten, my girlfriend, got me to start watching Bates Motel, and we actually just finished it the other day. Um, that, the whole the, thing, the whole the all five seasons, crushing it. Um, oh. the first four seasons. Uh, I don't know if I actually like the show, but it definitely like kept my attention. But we, so we were watching the first few episodes, and then, uh, and then she was just like, "Have you seen Psycho?" I'm like, "No." She's like, "All right, we just gotta like watch Psycho. We can't, we can't keep, we can't keep doing this shit if you're not." Oh yes, watch you Psycho. can't watch yeah. Bates Motel without seeing so Psycho. You're I was not gonna like, know I was, what the fuck's I know, going it's on. It's like I'm a psychopath. So we watch Psycho. Yes, Psycho slaps. It's a great movie. Uh, and then we who to thunk? Who to thunk? I had no idea. And then we finished uh, Bates Motel last night, and Bates Motel, uh, the final season, you have, to, you have to go through the mud, but that final season is very good. Yeah. It's really, really, really... Did you watch it at all? No. Uh, I want to. <laughs> I, I thought about it. I went through like a, a Norman Bates thing where like yeah. uh, a, like around the time the second season was on, I, uh, I watched... Um, like all the psycho movies, because like you know, there's a bunch of really bad sequels. I did not know that. Well, I know there's like oh. the shot for shot remake one, and that one's great. That's okay. I mean, it's like it's it's an art film. Like it's you're yeah. not supposed to take it as its own movie, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be better than Psycho. It's kind of Gus Van Zandt being like, if you're gonna remake Psycho, you do it like this, like as an experiment. 
It's kind of like the Lion King. Like it's this like I yeah. was talking about. We've yeah. talked about that. We've talked about that before and I and I like that read. Um this is a roundabout way of me kind of talking about how uh but yeah, so the last season of Base Motel slaps, and I do think it's good. And if you're going to watch that show ever, Mike, or anyone who's listening is going to watch that show ever, it is a soap opera. It's more in line with soap operas and kind of like Dexter than mm-hmm. anything else, so you just have to be prepared for that. But that last season, I, I almost say it's like worth it. I had a really good time watching it. Cool, good. Cool. That all being said, um, Halloween, I feel like, or not even feel like, there's a lot of inspirations in Halloween from Psycho. From like you know the weapon wielding to they have they have some Jamie Lee Curtis's mom is in Psycho uh, she's the one who gets stabbed in the shower uh, the doctor's name is Sam Loomis which is the name of that character's uh, lover in that other film so you know there's definitely some heavy Psycho influences in in Halloween but I, yeah, I actually he's, he's definitely paying praise to like the doggies of horror that he wants to emulate that absolutely. he respects and like you know still this genre is like fairly. Um, in its infancy, perhaps even like, you know, film in general is only in its like sophomore year in a lot of ways. But uh, I was thinking how it was interesting looking at the psychology of like Norman Bates versus Michael Myers and like how like one's kind of like, like it was almost like ODing on like empathy and the other one's like completely like devoid of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought that was like a very like kind of. For someone who's like paying so much homage or some homages at least to that movie and to have such a radical change to that character, I thought it was very interesting and very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would love that. That's like that's a thing I would love to like pick his brain about or someone who maybe would know more about like how that character, how how the character of Michael Myers, like you know, just just stated in in John Carpenter's brain. Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting kind of thing. Like it's. So, like, Halloween comes out, trying to make sure I get my years right here. Halloween, I believe, is 1978. Yes. And the Friday the 13th is 1980. Mm -hmm. And I believe that Nightmare on Elm Street is, like, 1981 or 82, 83, somewhere in there. So, these are this is kind of, like, the first, like, kind of, like, germ... Ugh. of um slasher movies like yeah. this is like kind of the first one with like babysitters and stuff like that on this kind of weird like there's obviously been movies like that beforehand but this was the first one that you kind of look back on that started this kind of like your freddies your jasons your michaels like your chuckies and this was like it's it's considered like the art house version of that where it's like very small, very quiet, very contained, very minimalistic, very simple. The body count isn't even that high. Only no. only three people die in the actual like event of like the actual movie, and there's just a couple people at the beginning and stuff like that. And I think what's so interesting, and, and you know, to to bring up Psycho again is, is or like another comparison I see is is the uh, inclusion of like psychology to the monster we have a character who's trying to like kill this thing that he's been psychoanalyzing for so long. He's psychoanalyzed it to the point where he's just like, gotta take it down. Mm-hmm. I, I saw inside this dude's brain. There's nothing good in there. We gotta take him down. But I thought that was very, you know, I thought that was very interesting. Cause I think one of the, the marks of psycho is like how aware it is of psycho, uh, psychoanalysis during that time in that movie to, to have a character who like clearly is struggling with like a mental illness 
with this like you know disassociative identity disorder and you know goes to great lengths to like you know the the denouement of that movie is to explain this is what he was sick with and why he did these things and how it worked and how the brain works in this like scenario Mm -hmm. and to kind of like have you know that reasoning kind of be the like the protector in this film it's it's interesting how like psychology operates in this slasher movie but psychology isn't always relevant in other slasher movies even like some of the ones you mentioned like understanding why the characters do the murder um isn't always psychological i think with like number on l stream he's like a demon in like yes the dream world right yes. and then friday the 13th he's essentially a ghost well he's not a ghost right he's like a he came out of the lake or, or the first friday the 13th he's not jason's not even in that movie right no yeah yeah so i don't even fucking know what he is but yeah, I think it's, but the psychology is not necessarily relevant in that movie. Why are you laughing at me? No, it's just like, you're like, is Jason a ghost? Is he? And I'm like, kind of, like, okay. in, some, <laughs> in some of them, but like, he's more like a, he's like a ghoul. He's like a, gotcha. um, he's like a zombie kind of, like, he's mm. like a, he's like a deformed, uh, disabled child who grows gotcha. up into like, you know, for lack of a better term, like, you know, like like a mongoloid you know what i mean yeah. like like not trying to be like disrespectful but just like he's like that version like just a big person yeah. that is simple that's what they're going for in that movie in the time it was written like yeah. that's what they're trying to do and then like yeah. you know chucky he's he's a criminal who's brought back to life via a voodoo voodoo magic of yeah course. so yeah. so it's interesting to see yeah to see like how the inclusion of psychology i think is very interesting in the film yeah, and it's. I think that Dr. Loomis sticks around in a lot of the series, and a problem with the series is, like, they keep coming up with reasons. Yeah. Because if they're going to keep doing this, nobody just wants to see, like, well, I mean, they were probably thinking that nobody really wants to see somebody just, like, going around and trying to kill, like, random people because they're a random killing machine. Yeah. So they come up with, like, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is his sister. And, oh, there's a cult that, like, he has to kill people that's related to him. And now he kills for the cult. And Jamie Lee Curtis had a daughter. So now Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't want to be in the movies anymore. But that's okay. We can just (laughs) skip it ahead a little bit. Yeah. And, like, they keep doing all of these things that are fun. And it's part of the mythology. And it's part of the stuff that I love about this series. But the thing that the David Gordon Green reboot or sequel got was the the very clear thing of like, it's scarier when there's no reason it's the whole, it's the, have you ever seen scream? I have, but it's been, it's been a minute. I mean, scream, scream is like a satire in a lot of ways, right? It's, it's a satire in a lot of ways, but that's what makes it so good is that it's also a really fucking good horror movie. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's, 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 it's parodying all of this stuff, but it's not like a satire, like scary movie or something like that. It's more like, it's taking the tropes of them and making fun of them while also telling its own self-contained horror movie. That's why it's one of the best movies ever fucking made. It's like, it's working on like 15 different levels simultaneously, perfectly on each level. It's mm-hmm. really crazy. And But he talks about how like, did we ever find out why Hannibal Lecter liked to eat people? No. It's yeah. way scarier when there's no motive. And because we don't know what Michael Myers motive is in this movie from start to finish. We just know that he's crazy and that he killed his sister and that he kills dogs and he seems like he wants to kill some other people and Oh no, he's killing them now. That makes it really, really scary. And putting that together with the iconography that, that Carpenter tries to use with the mask, 
the jumpsuit, just the big butcher knife, these dark streets, and just keeping it between these two locations just like isolates you and makes you feel like, yo, this guy like exists. Like he, he creates the boogeyman and makes him tangible. Right. Yeah. And I, I, and and it's totally effective. And I, I think that in most cases with most like, antagonists in general it, it is kind of i go back and forth because I, I do you know when joker was coming out and you know i was very hyped on the joker <laughs> until until it released that is not true uh the, my main criticism ever since they announced that movie uh and even after watching it i was just like i don't give a shit where he came from he's the most mm-hmm. interesting in dark knight because he just breezes into town and changes everything you know he's he's this mass manipulator, but then you know speaking to someone something like Hannibal in Silence of the Lambs, you don't really know like why he does what he does. But in a show like Hannibal, which goes to great lengths to kind of like explain the pathos of what he's doing, you know maybe not like the origins of it, but or the why, but kind of like t- to analyze it to some extent. Like mm-hmm. you know, I find that massively intriguing. But for yeah, something yeah. For, for someone there's, like Michael Myers, it's like I don't I'm not interested in that. You know there's. I don't know. There's definitely an intrigue in like in moving outside of the Silence of the Lambs. Outside of that runtime, you don't need to know why Hannibal Lecter likes to eat people because no. it makes it that much more effective. Now, outside of that, it's just you can do whatever you want and you can talk about it. And I agree. I think Hannibal handles that expertly because they're doing their own versions because that's technically yeah. not that Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. You know, they're two different Hannibal lectures that they're doing. Sure, no, yeah, and sure. I mean, it's, it's like it's the it's the Bates Motel version of it as well. Like you know, exa- yeah, Psycho though. You know, there, there's great payoff to when they explain kind of the why as to why yes. it's happening. Almost like too much. Almost just like, all right, I get it. Like, yeah, he yeah. Lost, he's his mom. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> he is mom. He is mom. I get yeah. it. Uh, but it's like there's something that's like it's the fear of the unknown stuff. It's just like yeah. not. It's scarier to not see the monster and not know where the monster is than to just keep having the monster jumping at you and jumping at you. That's another thing Alien does very well, which is, you know, a few years before this. And I think that Carpenter or yeah, no, no, no. Alien is the year after this. So Mm -hmm. yeah. So this is something like, I think that they were probably making these movies simultaneously around the same time. It's possible that Scott saw Halloween and was just like, Ooh, that, but in space. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, in terms of like that kind of analysis too, I mean, you could look at Jaws in a very similar way. You don't need to know why the shark eats people; it's a no, shark. No. That's it. Yeah. Just fucking does and that, that's you know. <laughs> and then and then not showing the shark because the shark ma- machine that they had was breaking down all the time makes it scarier because you're like, yeah. how big is this thing? Like, where is it? I can't see it. That makes mm-hmm. it scarier. It's yeah. not knowing, and it makes us feel vulnerable because it makes us feel like we don't understand what's going yeah. on. And Even that's the, one of the scariest things about Michael Myers, Michael Squires, Michael, Michael Myers, Squires, Lemon. Michael Myers, Lemon. I mean, even like, you know, the Terminator almost becomes like weaker throughout the film the more you learn about him. You Absolutely, know? yeah. Like he, he becomes, because the more like expedition that happens on him, and this is done like not to the film's detriment, I think it's executed very well. Yes. Um, is, is like the more information and exposition you learn about like, this creature, where it's coming from, what it's doing, the more ways you learn to exploit and defeat it, which is ultimately what the film's trying to do. Yeah, in this um, movie, we don't. She doesn't even learn that his name is Michael Myers. No, she just is. Like, she has this no is, idea who this guy is. Yeah, this is a assailant in my fucking home on Halloween, <laughs> it's attacking me. and I have yeah. kids that I need to protect, and he just killed my three friends. Yeah. Um, pedaling back to like uh, 
Precinct 13. You know, I feel like uh, one of the things I was reading about the movie was that um, Carpenter was very inspired by uh, Romero's uh, Night of the Living Dead, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the again, the silent army of gang goons uh, attacking them feels very much like a... It feels very much like a zombie movie, um, which kind of like... Is, you know, there's just these like ways and ways of attackers kind of attacking them and they just kind of mowing and murdering them down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it almost makes me, it, it, it makes me think about like precinct in like a horror movie kind of vibe because there's just these like, you know, they're so dehumanized, these, uh, these attackers. Yes, you know? yeah. And I think it, it kind of goes more towards like if Carpenter was going for this kind of like, you know, what is America this kind of thing of like the united like like these the good guys have to be united even though they're different genders different races different professions different lifestyles they have to unite against the criminality the forces of bad that are trying to tear america apart and they're in a police station which back in like the late 70s early 80s like that is very much a a very hard symbol of like americanism and just like a police station yeah. In, in 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 a inner city, a broken down, dilapidated police station that's old and getting replaced by something else, and it's a guy, and it's his first night on the job. But God, I fucking love that. I love it when it's someone's first night on the job. It's good when it's someone's first night on the job, but it's also good when they're like a week away from retirement. Also good. Like, Everything those are two in between. Sides of the same coin. Don't need. Don't need it. <laughs> yeah. Get get the fuck rid of it. Unless you're like you know, uh, uh, or on vacation. They're on vacation. On vacation's good. Die hard. Or, e- die or hard. even even like I'm retired. I'm not gonna do the job again. Oh yeah, I'm out of the That's game. Good. I'm out of the game. That. You can't yeah. make me do it. Those are all good inciting yep. incidents. Or like you know, I don't care. I don't really do this sort of thing. That's not my job. Yeah. Yeah. All good. Or you know, like or- <laughs> I really yes, all these or, all these different uh, story uh, mechanics you can use to work. like um, create motive. Yeah, it's yeah. all it's all good, good stuff. Yeah. Um. So you got anything else to say on these two movies? I mean, of course, as we keep going, we're going to be probably yeah. hearkening back, especially to these two, because they are they very Assault on Precinct Thirteen very much leads into um, Escape from New York and Halloween very much leads into The Fog and The Thing. I think we're going to be having a lot of conversation about these guys too going forward. Yeah, well, I think it's a good... I mean, obviously we chose them for, you know, being the earlier films, but I think it's a... It, you know, we picked a an action movie and a horror movie and, you know, those are, like you kind of just hinted at, like the the tent poles of, of the movie that he does going forward, you know, they kind of fall into one camp or the other, or, you know, maybe blend the lines a little bit and all yeah. have great music the entire time. I mean, that's, yeah, we haven't even mentioned the fact John Carpenter scores all of his own movies and they are exquisitely synthesized. Yeah. Uh, Precinct 13's like, uh, like main theme is a banger. It's a banger. It's, it's a insane. Ba- it's it's like- a banger it's just like he's just like oh we i I, i'm just gonna do the music for it fuck it whatever yeah i got it (laughs) he just like picked up a synthesizer and learned how to do it and it's just like oh jesus it's great it's great it's great he he like really kind of invented that kind of way of doing that stuff yeah it's i love i love that kind of music that's that's my shit yeah man well thank you so much for uh listening to this episode what's it called right now stalking carpenter stalking carpenter is the name of it at the moment 
at the moment, Stalking Carpenter. Um, so we're going to be doing this stuff. Uh, we're going to be releasing an episode like this, covering two movies every month on our exclusive content. Um, thank you so much for subscribing and being a supporter. That's really, really awesome of you. Uh, we are also going to be partnering up every month and creating a um, video content um uh, for one of the movies that we talk about in this one. So we're going to be deciding if we want to make, like isolate down on one specific thing that we want to really kind of talk about in a video language uh, for Assault on Precinct 13 or Halloween. And then uh, we will be dropping that on our um, membership only feed as well um, shortly after this episode comes out. So look out for that and check that out. Give it some likes, give us some comments. You're going to love it. You're gonna like it. You're gonna like the way you look. You're gonna like it. It's gonna be good. We're we're both we're both good at editing, and uh, we got good voices. So we're working on everything. Yeah, my mom says we sound very similar. Well, a lot of people do say that. So yeah, well, <laughs> you know. maybe it's just one person talking. Who knows? And we also just like start copying each other's mannerisms because we hang out too much. So it's true. It's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. It's all true. Yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Um, Thanks for joining. I'm Robbie the Alamo Anderson. And I'm Michael the Myers like the Lemon Burge. It's a funny joke. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. It's a funny, funny <laughs> joke. And uh, make sure you hit up storyscreenbeacon.com for a bunch of fun stuff. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace. Mr. C. <laughs> Mr. C. <laughs> Hanging with John. Who's John? John Carpenter. You know who. Hang- Hanging with John. Hanging with John. Who is not on this show. Unfortunately. Uh, John, 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 Carpenter. No, I... Stalking John. <laughs> Stalking John. That's funny. Chilling on the John. Um, John, John Carpenter must die. <laughs> the show where we figure out how to find and kill John Carpenter. John Carpenter. <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah. All right. Stalking Carpenter. Fuck it. Yeah, I think it works. We, right. We can change the name if we want to. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Eventually, we can. Uh, we can just be like, it's not called that anymore. We changed. I, I was lying. We I don't know who your parents are. I, I was lying. I have to. So my my Star Wars kissing article is almost complete. I can't believe and, it's taken you this long. And by uh, I some also shit, some shit has happened. That's true. Some shit has happened. I thought it was like almost like locked up. Though. I thought it was like like Bo was on it. Like it was done. So it was the only thing that wasn't done is the ending big piece, which is the whole point of it, which is talking about Rise of Skywalker, which I I didn't want to write until I watched Rise of Skywalker again. How was that? So that's what I gotta do. You haven't done it yet? Oh, okay. No, that's like my thing that I have to do. I'm I'm like kind of scared you're gonna be like, you know, I actually kind of like it. 
No, that's not going to happen. No, Probably okay. not. Hey, well, weirder, knows, things, weirder things have happened. We've yeah, had we just, didn't think the pandemic was going to happen. Here we are doing remote didn't podcasts. Didn't see that coming. No. Um. Yeah, I got to watch that. Yeah. 